Section 35 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section 35 Hercules and Achilles. Concentrate your attention now, my son, upon this picture, first taking notice that you are now upon the soil of Aetolia. This heroine, that you see crowned with the leaves of the beech-tree, whose countenance expresses severity and reproof, is the tutelary deity of the city of Calydon. She is here on account of all the people having left their city walls and formed a circle to witness a most extraordinary occurrence. You see King Aeneas in person, sorrowful as becomes a king who sees no means of saving himself and those who are dear to him. We have a more distinct idea of the cause of his sadness from the figure of his daughter, who stands beside him, dressed like a bride but she too is full of dejection and averts her eyes the object which her eye seeks to avoid is an unwelcome fearful suitor their dangerous neighbour the river god achilles he stands in sturdiest human form his shoulders broad enough to support a bull's head he does not come unattended on either side you see the monstrous shapes wherewith he terrifies the Caledonians. On one side a dragon rears itself in frightful folds, red on the back, with swelling crest. On the other a fiery horse with flowing mane paws the earth with his foot, as if eager for the battle if you cast your eye again upon the frightful river-god between them you are shocked at the wild beard from which streams of water trickle down this is the position of things pregnant with expectation when a powerful youth advances with a club in his hand and throws off the lion-skin having thus considered the past by way of explanation you now see achilles transformed into a mighty horned bull rush upon hercules but hercules seizing with his left hand the horn of the demonic monster dashes off the other horn with a club in his right hand you see by the blood that flows that the god is wounded in his inmost being hercules rejoicing in the deed sees only deianira he has thrown aside the club and offers the horn to her as a pledge in future time the nymphs shall possess it to fill with plenty and bless the world therewith hercules and nessus this roaring and swollen flood bearing along rocks and trunks of trees and forbidding to the traveller the once easy ford are the waters of Evenus, the Caledonian river. A strange ferryman has taken up his post here, Nessus the centaur, namely, who alone of all his race escaped from the hands of Hercules at folly. He now devotes himself to this peaceful occupation. He serves the traveller with his twofold powers, and now offers himself to Hercules and his companions hercules deianira and hylas have arrived at the stream in their chariot and hercules 
to render the passage easy, has arranged for Nessus to carry over Deianira, Hellas is to bring the chariot across, whilst he himself will wade the river. Nessus is already on the other side. Hellas, too, is safe over with a chariot, but Hercules is still buffeting mightily with the billows. Meantime, Nessus offers violence to Deianira. Hercules, hearing her cry, seizes his bow and sends an arrow after the audacious centaur he shoots the arrow speeds to the mark deianira extends her arm towards her husband this is the moment the representation of which we admire in the picture the youthful hillus enlivens the powerful scene he has just reached the shore and fastened the traces to the chariot and now he stands there clapping his hand and rejoicing in a deed beyond his own powers to achieve it does not seem that Nessus has yet confided the fatal secret to Deianira. Remark. We must constantly bear in mind that in Hercules everything has a reference to personality. The demigod must earn his laurels only through immediate, unassisted action, with hands to grasp, fists to dash in pieces, arms to crush, shoulders to bear, feet to overtake, this was his calling for this he was intended bow and arrow served him upon occasion to act at a distance his weapon for close quarters was the club and even this he used rather as a walking staff for when the time of action came it was his wont to throw it aside together with a lion skin which he bore partly as a sign of victory partly as a garment and thus we always find him self-dependent coming off with honour from single combat or emulative contention we may safely conclude the figure in the present instance to have been modified to accord with the immediate action he was engaged in and in this presumption we are aided by the admirable remains of antiquity and instances we shall meet with in writers End of section thirty five.